Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Remembering Reagan. If Ronald Reagan was still alive, he'd be a hunter this week. And although that's a rather stupid benchmark, it has been used to bring him up and discuss him at length. Several books have been released about him recently. And as I read the comments in blogs and forums and Facebook and other places, there is, of course, a sharp divide between the left and the right. The left's picture of who he was and what he did is completely wrong, whereas the right's picture of who he is and what he did is completely wrong. So I thought I'd go into it a little bit, see if we could introduce some reality into the discussion, but it would be helpful to know the political climate when he got elected, the historical climate of it, because that might help folks who are mystified by the cult of personality that has come up around him to understand just why that happened and why he was so beloved by so many people. I first became politically aware during the Nixon administration, and Nixon was just an absolute vile weasel. He was corrupt to the very core of his soul. Some folks praise him for opening the door to China, but the fact is that he was responsible for slamming that door shut decades before. He was part of the cabal that helped cut off the relationship with China. That's why the Vulcans have that saying. He was the only president to ever resign in disgrace for having been caught doing something that was just stupid. And then for covering it up. And it was a cover-up, of course, that really killed him. When he died, the media, who had sold an awful lot of books and magazines and newspaper documenting his corruption, praised him for some reason. You would have thought he was one of our greatest presidents. Hunter S. Thompson didn't make that mistake, and instead, in the obituary that he wrote for Nixon, which is well worth looking up if you haven't read it, He said, if the right people had been in charge of Nixon's funeral, his casket would have been launched into one of those open sewerage canals that empty into the ocean just south of Los Angeles. He was a swine of a man and a jabbering dupe of a president. Nixon was so crooked he needed servants to help him screw his pants on every morning. That pretty much sums up the Nixon that I remember. And when Nixon resigned, he put Jerry Ford in his place. Ford had been in the Senate for 25 years and pretty much nobody had ever heard of him. He was a little milk toast of a man. He was basically a placeholder. He had a tendency to fall down a lot and bump into things. And about the only thing his presidency is memorable for is providing fodder for Saturday Night Live, which back then was a comedy show. So it's not really surprising that After the intense corruption of Nixon, the American people wanted somebody who was pure as the driven snow, and so we elected Jimmy Carter. 
Jimmy Carter was the most incompetent president of my lifetime. I can't say he was the worst, but he's up there pretty high on the list. He did one thing that was worthwhile. He brokered a peace deal between Egypt and Israel that held up for decades. But that's not really what he's best remembered for. He's remembered for things like gas lines. There was an oil shortage, which everybody believed was contrived, that resulted in big, long lines outside of gasoline stations because gas stations were actually running out of gas. There was inflation, which for a few months hit 18%. An unheard of level in the lifetimes of any of us back then. I was selling stereos at the time, and I recall people walking into the store with wads of cash in their hands saying, I just emptied my savings account. I want to spend all my money while I can still buy something with it. And that was a pretty common attitude. It actually uh, made some good paychecks during those few months. But what he's most remembered for is the hostage crisis. He was, like most presidents, very friendly to the Shah of Iran. He toasted him on television and just thought he was a great guy. And that really didn't work to our advantage when he was overthrown by mobs of fundamentalist Muslims who, shortly after putting Ayatollah Khomeini, a radical Muslim cleric in charge of the country, invaded the American embassy and took 66 people hostage. And Carter's response to that was to do nothing. Nothing of substance, at least. They froze Iranian assets and made a lot of noise. But they didn't actually do anything except complain while all these Americans were getting routinely tortured. Carter waited seven months before actually taking any military action. What he did was put together a rescue operation that was horribly designed and fatally flawed and resulted in vehicles crashing in the desert, killing eight American service people, and making us look even stupider. Now, I can only guess, and this is pure speculation, but I have to wonder how much his inaction, his allowing the hostages to be held for 444 days, they were released a few minutes after Reagan's inauguration, I have to wonder how much that emboldened Muslim terrorists. Seeing us so weak, seeing us so unwilling to do anything of substance, and really that was the start of Muslim aggression and terrorism uh, against Americans. It's only a guess, but I suspect that if he hadn't been such a wimp, that maybe the situation wouldn't be quite as bad as it is now. Carter was such a pussy that he was actually attacked by a rabbit. He was on vacation out in a rowboat, and a rabbit came at him trying to get into his rowboat. And you just got to wonder, I mean, what was going on in the mind of that rabbit? Here you got a bunny, the most docile and cowardly animal in the animal kingdom. 
and he sees Carter in a rowboat and says, I can take that wimp, and goes after him. Goes all watership down on him. That kind of came to symbolize the Carter presidency. So when the next election came along, we had all of these losers in our memory. We had the evil weasel, the milquetoast placeholder, and the completely incompetent pussy. We were really ready for something else. And Ronnie came along. And man, you can say whatever you want about Ronnie, but the man had style. He had presence. He looked presidential. He sounded presidential. And as much as we may like to intellectually discount that and say, oh, that's really not what's important, the fact is it does make a difference. And it makes a difference how the world views America. And it makes a difference about how Americans view themselves. After the hostage crisis and the inflation and the incompetence and the corruption that preceded that, Americans wanted a presidential president. And Reagan was elected. Conservatives often call themselves Reagan Republicans. And when they say that, what they mean is somebody who's in favor of small government and low taxes. Of course, the fact of the matter is Reagan really pumped up the federal government. He increased the federal payroll by 25%, hired 25% more people. He had promised to eliminate the Department of Education, that ridiculous boondoggle that Carter had put in place. Instead, he doubled the budget for it. He actually raised taxes on most people. He lowered the highest rates on wealthiest, and one that really just kind of pissed me off and still does, and I have to admit that it's this is an emotional reaction, but he went after waiters and bartenders, and it was Reagan who put in the law that said that they had to be taxed on 10% tips based on what they sold, whether they received those tips or not, which increased, of course, the bookwork for the employers, they had to say, okay, well, this person sold exactly that much and withhold tax. Oh, it was a mess. The other thing that conservatives get wrong about Reagan is they say he was the only reason that the USSR fell and the Cold War ended. And they're absolutely wrong about that. But the left insists that he had nothing to do with it that the USSR had already sown the seeds of their own demise and that it would have happened no matter what. Well, it probably would have happened no matter what eventually, maybe years down the road, maybe a decade or two decades down the road. But the fact of the matter is that Reagan was in position to help push them over the cliff. They had danced to the edge of that cliff by themselves, but he was in a position to shove them over. One of his big things was the Strategic Defense Initiative, SDI, which the media dubbed as Star Wars. It was a plan to put in orbiting satellites that could shoot down incoming nuclear missiles. It was a ridiculous plan. It couldn't work then, and now, decades later, we still don't have the technology to do that and make it work. But that was accompanied by a big buildup of the military, which the USSR tried to match. 
and in trying to match it, they bankrupted themselves. Ronnie pushed them over that cliff, and the Cold War ended while he was in power. I remember in second and third grade having duck and cover drills where they would run a air raid siren and we were supposed to put our heads on our desks and put our hands over our heads and that was going to protect us for the inevitable nuclear attack. I wasn't paying attention during the Cuban Missile Crisis, but as I got older and learned about it, that was pretty scary. We were right at the brink of nuclear war, and there were two or three other incidents where we came very close to wiping out most of the human race because of errors and mistakes and misunderstandings as U.S. and the USSR stood toe-to-toe in a situation that has been described as two people standing up to their ankles in a puddle of gasoline, each one holding a book of matches. And the knowledge that either one could destroy the world, and that was what was supposed to protect us, was the fact that, well, if you try and destroy me, I'll destroy you, and there won't be anything left. It was called MAD, Mutually Assured Destruction. And it worked, but there was always the chance that something would go wrong and that life as we know it would be done with, would be over. Humans would probably survive, but it would be the end of civilization. And I grew up in that. And my kids never did. They never knew it. They never understood it. They still find it a little weird what happened, what, how, and they, and they don't understand the feeling the feeling of, of wondering whenever you see a flash in the sky if this was it. And that's really a wonderful thing. And Reagan put an end to that. Nope, he didn't do it by himself. Nope, he wasn't the only reason that it happened. But he was a reason that it happened. And the left can deny that all they want. And it's not going to change the fact. So, give it a half an hour. I could go on and on and on about all the nasty, miserable things Reagan did. But he ended the Cold War. And for that, Ronald Reagan, I have to say thank you and rest in peace. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or... Even if you can understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartened. Hey, be sure to visit DaveHit.com, spelled with two T's, you'll find the podcasts going all the way back. You'll find the blog. Blog is updated every week or two. I don't like to overrun you with lots of things but what you do find there will be fun and pithy and worthwhile and help to smartenize you and of course there's all the old stuff the old hitman chronicle and the other stuff if you haven't ever been through that that can be fun too so check it out that's davehit.com hey if you got any questions or comments any questions for ask dave any comments for the show 
drop me a line, hitman at davehit.com. So until next time, there's only one thing that I have to remind you of, and that is that the Quick Hits Podcast is a little more than a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.